You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded by the Rev. Kerry Klukas on the Feast of the Presentation, February 2nd, 2020. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory for your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, help us to come into your presence broken and in need of redemption. Help us to come to you and to receive your merciful correction and guidance in our lives. Help us to find healing in your goodness and mercy. Amen. Okay, so today is the Feast of the Presentation, like I told the kids, and it's also known as, it has a bunch of names, but it's also known as Candlemas and... So if you love your Christmas decorations, then you actually, according to the church calendar, had every right to leave them up until today. Because we celebrate Christmas flowing into Epiphany, which is what we're in right now. And we remember the manifestations, uh uh-oh, or the remembering of the glorious works of Jesus. I need batteries. Should I stop, Christopher, or just keep going? Okay. So Epiphany helps us to draw more fully into the reality 
that God came as flesh and blood to walk among us and to live vulnerably as we do and to suffer in common ways that we do. So in our house, one of the ways that we helped ourselves kind of remember what the season is, is that we left our crash or our nativity set up. We took all the Christmas, our Christmas tree looked pitiful, so we had to take it down. It was bad, needles all on the ground. So Christmas trees don't last as long in Florida as they do up north. But anyway, it's to remind us that God has come as a baby. The incarnation of Jesus coming into the world as a baby is a life-altering event intended to change our lives and to make us more holy. It takes, thank you so much, it takes such love to come into this broken world and leave the glory of heaven in order to suffer, to give of himself to others, and to die. Jesus' willingness to walk the life that we actually walk is profound. We are not alone. We have one who has gone before us, who knows our sufferings, our temptations, and our inclinations towards brokenness. The Feast of Presentation is when Jesus, you heard it in the Gospel, when he had been brought to the temple by Joseph and Mary to be prayed over by the priest. He would have been circumcised, he would have been named, and he would have been dedicated to the Lord for being the firstborn male child of Mary. The firstborn male child to open a woman's womb would be considered a priest meant to be dedicated to the Lord. And each family was thought to have produced an heir to serve in the temple for the Lord. Priests were needed like day and night to perform the sacrifices and the rituals for purity and for forgiveness of sins. And for a large part of history, faithful families were to produce offspring to serve the Lord in his church. And we know that Jesus, being on this side, right, we know that Jesus was a true priest, offering himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He was and he is our final offering needed to end all the shedding of the blood. So Mary would have also been prayed for as well because she survived. She survived the process of giving birth. And she needed to be made ritually clean. Birth was, and it still is today, a highly dangerous event in which easily the life of the mother or of the baby can be ended. Jesus' birth was not ideal in that Mary was not attended by a midwife. She didn't have a clean place to give birth. She didn't even have any family to care for her. She gave birth in a rather earthly environment, and her safety in Jesus's was a miracle. Birth also involves blood, which requires an offering to make Mary clean again. We heard in the gospel passage of these miraculous things that took place 
There are two people who proclaimed the holiness of Jesus and his purpose in the world. And yet again, God has sent people, human beings, to come and proclaim to all who would actually hear that something amazing and kingdom-oriented was happening with the birth of Jesus. First, we had Elizabeth, right? She was um, pregnant with John the Baptist, and he leapt in her womb, and she proclaims who, who Jesus is and Mary. And then it was the shepherds in the field who come and praise Jesus. And then it was the wise men who came from the east. And now we have Simeon and Anna. God was announcing over and over again that his son was in the world to make things new. What I find totally amazing is that God takes normal, everyday people, and he does these miraculous, kingdom-sized things with them in the world. It says in the scripture that Mary and Joseph, they listened, and they were amazed. Here they were, two people who could have never have guessed how large of a thing that God was doing through their lives. They were newly wed. She was pregnant before they got married. It was a whole bunch of, they fled in order to go, they fled in order to be counted. They're, all these things, it's not good. And yet, they're wondering like, what is going on here? And it says in scripture that they were concerned. They were amazed. They were confused even. God uses normal people in normal situations to do amazing things. And they were just being faithful in the moment in the ways that they had been taught growing up. Both Mary and Joseph would have grown up going with their parents um, to the temple to give thanks for a baby and to offer sacrifices for the life of the child and the mother. They were doing what they were taught to do by their family. Generational faithfulness is something that is taught and modeled for you for the next generation. Our faithfulness is not just for ourselves, but it's for those who are closest to us. Your family needs to hear the message of God's love, of his forgiveness, of his mercy. Mary and Jesus are Mary and Joseph are folding Jesus into the story of faith and of redemption and of chosenness. We too are called to live lives that are modeled this way. And we all fall short in the sharing of the gospel with people in our lives. Perhaps you didn't raise your children to know the Lord. Perhaps you didn't share your faith as you should with your parents or your sister or your brothers. Our families are often, if we're really honest, the hardest places to share Jesus because they're the places that we often feel the most vulnerable. They're also sometimes the places where we're hurt the most. However, they are a place where we're often supposed to begin as we fall in love with Jesus. Try asking the Lord how he might want you to share him in your family. 
Perhaps it's through apologizing and saying, I'm sorry for not sharing Jesus. Sometimes we overshare and sometimes we undershare. And both of them kind of have their own flavor, right? But seeking reconciliation with the people in your lives, loving and listening and caring can go a really long way in expressing the gospel. Your sincerity will be felt and doors that you may never have imagined would be open in your conversations with your family might be open for you to share the love that God has for them. The temple was a place where people would gather to give thanks. They would offer up sacrifices for their sins, and they would come into the presence of the Lord. They believed that God only resided in that temple, so it was the only place to be near to the Lord. We know that that God does not reside just in that temple, but rather in the hearts of his followers. We can experience him in many places. The psalm um, passage today gives us a beautiful image of what it should mean for us to come into the presence of the Lord. The psalmist is reminding us that the Lord's presence is holy and it's good, and that we too long with a holy longing to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, what could it possibly mean to long in a holy way for the Lord? So much of our, like, life's existence, right, are around kind of fixations or obsessions. We often move from, like, one thing to the next, seeking something out to make us happy or calm or to make our toddlers calm and happy or better in some way, right? But let's take, like, a socially acceptable fixation that many of us have. My husband's cringing because he knows what I'm going to talk about. Um, let's talk about coffee or caffeine. I'm just giving a little example of how we kind of, you know, lose it a little. Okay, so coffee or caffeine. We know, let's just talk honestly, I drink coffee too, so this is not, no judging. We know from research that coffee or caffeine is addictive, right? Like, we know that. And when we consume it, our bodies, they long for it, right? Every day. We come depending upon it so much that if that coffee wasn't there we would get a really large headache, right, when we don't have it. And to feel the effects of the caffeine or the coffee, we have to, like, increase it, increase our intake of it. So, like, one cup of coffee in the morning can kind of become two cups, and then kind of like three cups, and then maybe like a whole pot. Um, And then we start longing for it in the afternoon. And if something were to get in between us and that beloved cup of coffee... What happens? Yeah, we get irritable and frustrated and annoyed, right? Most of our longings or our fixations like here on earth are like this. We want it more than we want God. The Bible says that knowing and experiencing God does not leave us like that, like that. It does not leave us with sort of a kind of self-serving attitude, but rather one that turns our eyes sort of upwards and then outwards. When our attention is turned like towards God, then we become more aware of other people. And God, he leaves us calm. 
He leaves us peaceful. He leaves us rested, which is a really foreign concept in our world today. Most of our interests, I mean, if we're really honest, they leave us kind of lacking or just clamoring for more. The psalm today speaks of a heart, of our heart and our flesh, rejoicing in the living God. How do we cultivate a heart to rejoice in the living God? Our world is so fast-paced now with information that just comes at us a mile a minute. We have options galore, and many of them seem what valid, worthy of our time, and needed for our happiness, or something that we should do. It could be good for us. So how do we cultivate space to rejoice in the living God? One day... My family and I we were riding in our van on our way to have um, dinner with friends of ours, and they live in the city, and they were, were driving block from block from block to get to their house. And as we went from block to block, I asked the kids, what do you think that people worship these days? They all said at the same time, our phones. Person after person, we were going from you know bus stop to bus stop, basically, Person after person had their head turned down, and there was no human contact or connection with the people around them. How often do we draw back from each other to kind of lose ourselves in our electronics? Many vehicles, and this is deeply convicting for myself as well. I'm in it with all of you, remember? I've got a lot of kids, and your phone's like your happy place. It's calm and ordered. and um, But is it really your happy place? So that's kind of the question. Many vehicles like now come today with DVD players in them, and you can stream your television shows to it. And so you're never lacking with something to do, right? Over the years, I have felt this distinct sense that I need to limit the amount of time that I and my family spend on electronics. One day, my kids are playing in the yard, and I was looking at my phone, because I finally got a smartphone, and I'm looking at my smartphone, and all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, do you want to remember them playing in the grass, or do you want to remember your phone? And I stood and gasped and said, okay, you're right. My phone's kind of like me. This is pretty amazing. These human beings that he's given me to raise, rear, and be with. And it is hard, and it is brutal, and it is beautiful, and it is a whole bunch of stuff all in one day. Electronics can sometimes absorb our lives, and we don't necessarily invest in others or necessarily like present in our moment, right? In a few weeks, we're getting ready um, to begin Lent. And it's a great time to kind of push yourself to unplug a little bit from your world and your life. Perhaps if you're like into social media, perhaps giving up some of that. Or put limitations on how much time you spend on your phone or your computer. And just so I'm being clear, I do like electronics, and I do think that they are a great tool for learning and for connecting with long-term friends and for sharing your faith with other people. It's just that sometimes things need to be given a little bit of limitation 
so you can grow in another way. And if you replace kind of those time limitations or those limitations in general, instead, maybe take up a life-giving book about Jesus or come to church on Wednesday night and be involved in the Lenten series on Wednesday night. Limiting, like, how we spend our time with our minds and our bodies and our hands um, can also lead us to being able to rejoicing in the Lord with our flesh, like the psalm says. Our bodies are meant to experience God's joy and to rejoice in his love of us. Singing is this can be, you're using your body, singing can be a powerful and beautiful tool to experience joy for the Lord. I have been reading Ephesians kind of on my own in my Bible, and I felt the Lord prompt me to put Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20, to put it on a note card and tape it to my kitchen countertop. And it read, it's, it's this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your heart. Always and for everything, give thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. You see, I am often standing in my kitchen um, preparing yet another meal. We're, we homeschool, so I'm, you know, three, three meals a day, snacks, all of it. And I am often very grumpy with my family and my children. You know, the benefit of an open kitchen is you can... You can yell at everybody while you're in the kitchen. So I have been going back to God and saying, I know this is not good. I don't like who I am when I'm in here. I don't sound loving and kind, and I don't like me. Um, And God's answer to my problem, feeling like I was being this grumpy, mean mama, was that I needed to sing more hymns. And wouldn't you know it that as I actually practiced this, okay, sometimes the hymns at first came out a little bit like, you know, kind of angry or whatever, but they came out. Um, The more I practiced this, the more that God began to give me these beautiful moments of praise in the midst of, you know, low blood sugar and crazy toddlers, like, screaming on my leg or my desire to, like, run out of the house and avoid the chaos The more that we use, like, you know, our flesh in choosing the things of God, the more that we are going to change and find ourselves, like, less selfish and having some victories. Like, who doesn't want to have a victory from, like, being a crazy, mean person to being a more loving person? Practicing that helps us be more God-oriented. Have you ever felt God in such an intimate and holy way? I think for lots of us, our lives move really quickly, right? I mean, it just does. And we struggle to slow down or to find space to hear him. Maybe you long to experience this and wonder if there's something wrong, like with you or with just church or whatever. The psalm today gives us such an encouragement and that it reminds us that we too can have a place in the Lord's courts and even all around his altar. Can you imagine being in the Lord's altar close to him? I absolutely promise you that if you call out to God 
and you ask him to experience him, that he will come. God is a good father who responds when his children call. And he longs to hear your voice and to see your face. It says, For happy are the people whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. If you long for God, if you orient your life in a kingdom-shaped fashion, then your life will become more and more shaped in his image. The journey of faith to Jesus is one that is marked with presence and goodness and mercy when we don't deserve it. If you haven't read it, I'd highly recommend you read The Pilgrim's Progress. They have like the big version and then they have like abbreviated versions and for children and things like that. They're excellent. I encourage you to read the children one just because you can get through it a little more quickly. Um, But it describes through a story the reality of this guy on a journey, and he's on a journey, and he's bumping up against people along the way. And it does an amazing job at describing the kinds of people that we bump up against in life and the kinds of people that sometimes we find ourselves to be. And it is a beautiful story in helping you maybe work through who are you and who do you want to be. To be a follower on the way means that we long and we press forward towards him despite our season of life. Some seasons come with great distress and sorrow and suffering and anxiety. Other seasons come with relative ease, right? And maybe we have a little bit of an unawareness of how much it could change. In other seasons... We are just thankful. The psalm today promises that even when we go into this, like, desolate valley, that he will literally provide streams of living water. Even when things seem so very dark and scary and sad or unknown, God is there and he will provide for us. Just keep your eyes open for his hand and watch him work beauty into your life. Come talk to us, Chris, Father Chris and I, and let us walk with you on your journey to God. Let us point out the signs of God's work in your life. And remember, we're just on this journey with you, and we are ever thankful to share bread as we are one beggar, to another, right? The psalm ends with the phrase, better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I love the song that goes with this, and um, Carl said that we were going to sing it, so I love this song because it uses scripture that breathes new life into my soul, and it reminds me what it's all about. Sometimes, trying to do all those, like, adulting things that you're supposed to do, it distracts our mind from the most important matter, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know, as some of you are wrangling children 
or you're watching someone else wrangle children, usually it's me, um, or you're watching someone else, or you're distracted by somebody else at church, or you're distracted by sounds, or whatever it is that just, we all have things that distract us, that it's tempting to think of the course of the Lord being so far away. But I just want to encourage you to try and experience God for just a few minutes. Or even if it's just a couple seconds at church, God is faithful. There are many times when I'm sitting in there managing six children, and I'm like, where are you? And if I just close my eyes for a second, and then there he is. And he's faithful, and he's right there for you. You can experience him in church. You can experience him in your car, in your shower, out for your walk, or in between work and your house as you drive in the car. I promise you that as you give the time, this time to the Lord, he will come and he will meet you and he will give you peace. There isn't a single moment of worship, of Bible reading, or praying that can be thought of as a waste of time. The presentation of our Lord or Candlemas for today is meant to be a time for us to present ourselves to the Lord. And as the month of January has ended, I'm sure that many of your New Year's resolutions may have ended already as well. Perhaps that's okay. Perhaps God has a different plan for you this year. What would it like look like for you to present yourself as you are right now to the Lord? Do you want to run and hide? Do you want to like quick tuck around the corner and like straighten yourself up? Or are you ready to just give your heart to the Lord? God sees you. God knows you. He's known you before anyone else even knew about your existence. And he loves you. That's what the scripture says. He loves you. Present yourself just as you are to the Lord. And let him show you what your next steps might be. Let him change you. Let him mold and let him shape your life. So that you can experience joy and peace and wholeness. We all, every single one of us in this room, needs those things in our lives. And God deeply desires to give them to us. So, may you go from this place today more aware of God's love for you. May you have moments to rejoice in the presence of the Lord and to experience his face shining upon you. And may you share your love of the Lord and your experience of him with others around you, that as you encounter them on your way, so to God be the glory now and forever. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org slash sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, 
please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.